This episode is sponsored by Marvel Strike Force. If you're looking for a superhero-themed mobile game, look no further. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile squad RPG that allows you to battle with your favorite team of superheroes and supervillains in a fight to save the universe against threats like Doctor Doom and Apocalypse. Your goal is to power up your favorite characters to complete missions, unlock gear and other resources, and beat other players in PvP modes like Alliance War and Real-Time Arena. The game is currently celebrating its 6 year anniversary, and they're letting new users in on the celebration by providing free stuff, courtesy of our unique link in the show notes. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses, and if you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all of the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out. We've received a unique promo code, so new users can follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. That's M-A-X-P-O-O-L. Thanks to Marvel Strike Force for sponsoring this episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, March 31st, 2023. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film Editor Brad Oman. Hey, that's me. Brad, it's been uh, a day and a half since I talked to you. It's true. How are you doing? I'm, I'm doing all right. <laughs> okay, let's get into it. Uh, there's some interesting news this week. So Disney has fired Ike Perlmutter. This is the Marvel chairman and longtime foe of Kevin Feige. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there, this is a long story, but uh, Isaac Perlmutter was... I- I mean, his real name's Isaac, but yeah, Ike. Ike. No, we're not going to give him his full name treatment. We're going to call okay. him Ike. <laughs> okay. Well, he, um, him and Avi Arad were the owners of Toy Bits, which was a company that, that made Marvel toys. And then Marvel went into bankruptcy in like, was this in the 90s? Must have been the 90s. Yeah, late 90s. And uh, Paul Mutter and Arad basically took over the company. They were actually able to take over Marvel in this like move. Like it seems crazy to me that like a toy company that makes the Marvel toys somehow like maneuvered to take over the company. But they took over the company, and then uh, you know Ike was w- one of the owners of Marvel when it sold to to Disney uh, for four billion dollars, and uh, notoriously. Ike's uh, the way he runs the company is not uh, the way that uh, other people in the company, including Kevin Feige, has agreed with. He's been very frugal, um, very uh, like micromanager. I, I think at one point there was like twenty cameras all around like Marvel headquarters. He would like watch the cameras and stuff. They've ripped them out and stuff like that. Anyways. Uh, so he's been a part of this company for a long time, but in recent years, he's been kind of like pushed out in a way like, uh, when was it? I guess, um, in 2015, Mutter stopped overseeing the development of Marvel studios. Uh, Disney felt that Kevin Feige should report directly to Alan Horn at the time. And, uh, you know, I think Ike was still in charge of TV at the time. But that was when it was Marvel Television with Jeff Loeb. And then now it's, you know, Marvel Studios is doing the TV stuff. I think, Brett, do you know, like, I think he was still just in charge of toys. I think his, his. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Well, 
you know, Disney's just doing, doing layoffs. What, what is it, like four to 7,000 layoffs? It's a, it's a lot of layoffs. They're doing it over yeah. three phases. And uh, th- this one became a, a, as a shock to everybody because I think I think everybody just assumed that Ike had, like, a no-kill clause in his contract or something. Like, you know, or a um, – not a no-kill clause. Uh, a clause where if you are – let go from the company that like they would have to pay out like a big amount of money or something like that. Like he's, it seems like for a long time, nobody has liked this guy, but he's been still part of the Marvel studios uh, in some way. And uh, actually, yeah, it, it says here in um, I'm reading from New York times here uh, that uh, he has been laid off as part of the cost cutting me- uh, measure. Disney confirmed the move was told by phone on Wednesday that Marvel Entertainment, a small division centered on consumer products and run separately from Marvel Studios, re- was redundant and would be folded into the larger Disney business units, according to two Disney executives briefed on the matter, who spoke spoke on the condition of anonymous to Anonymity. Yeah, I can't talk. Which is great because I'm doing a podcast. Um so I, I don't know, Brad. What, what do you think of this? Like, does this mean anything? It seems like he's been kind of out of the creative for some time, but it's kind of like an end of an era. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just they they finally had like a probably a good reason to be able to get rid of him, and maybe that's what they they lacked before. And this, you know, making you know cost cutting measures across the entire company is as good a reason as any to get rid of people that you don't you know feel like you really need anymore. <laughs> Uh, and I, yeah, I, Ike was one of the people who like created so many problems over the years, especially when it came to like meddling in the, the Marvel cinematic universe. He was one of the people who was part of what is known as the Marvel creative committee. And like, if you want to know one of like the more, you know, uh, infamous crappy things that he and those people tried to do, uh, they, they almost ruined the ending of Captain America civil war because they didn't think that Captain America and Iron Man should fight and that instead all the Avengers <laughs> should come together and fight the the five super soldiers that are in that facility that Baron Zemo discovers. So, you know, have a civil war, but then don't have a, a civil war. Oh God. Okay. Uh, also on Wednesday, Disney laid off Rob Steffens, co-president of Marvel entertainment and John Turdiston, who is the chief counsel for the division. So there, it really seems to me that they're getting rid of like these people that are probably making a, you know, high salaried individuals that are seem to be redundant yeah. in, in the company. Um, but I don't know. It, it, I, I think Perlmutter is worth mentioning because it's, it's really an end of an era. I remember going to early Marvel uh, studios junkets before they were bought by Disney. And, you know, Ike was still like notoriously, uh, <laughs> A penny pinching guy uh and usually when you go to these junkets they have like a full like spread of food they can enjoy before your interview and uh at the marvel studios ones back then it was uh subway sandwiches which i think they didn't even pay for i think it was like a cross promotion kind of thing like he got the subway sandwiches for free anyways hey, who, who doesn't like a good subway sandwich hey I'm, listen i'm not complaining but just, it was just funny because, like, you go to, like, these, like, ritzy, you know, five-star, you know, Beverly Hilton hotels, and there's, like, a, a spread of Subway sandwiches. It's just funny. Uh, anyways, okay, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about Star Wars, Brad. Yeah, we like it. talking about Star Wars. Uh, the uh, new Star Wars series is Skeleton Crew. This is coming from John Watts, the... The guy that did the Spider-Man movies from Marvel. Uh, it all ties back into Marvel. Um, and they have lined up a set of directors for the series, which is 
becoming one of the most impressive set of directors I've seen in some time. Mm -hmm. Uh, So last week, I think we learned, who did we learn? We learned that the Oscar winners behind Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, the Daniels, are going to be directing an episode. And this week, we learned that the director of what many people consider to be the best live-action Disney remake, uh, David Lowry, who did uh, uh, Pete's Dragon. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so uh, he also did, you know, The Green Knight. He has, a, his, he's a great filmmaker. The, you know, I was beginning to think, Brad, that great filmmakers might be scared to do Star Wars movies, but uh, the, 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 these two directors don't seem like they're uh, these two sets of filmmakers don't seem like they're they're people that need to do it for the money or need to do it to be to elevate their their profile. Like they're already like some of the most um you know they're sought after they're 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 awarded what do you think of these two to the these two names no i mean i'm i think this is probably uh the best you know early roster of directors we've had for you know a a series so far you know i'm I'm very excited to see what they what they bring to the table um you know and I, i wouldn't be surprised if there's you know maybe some people from the mandalorian that that jump over maybe direct an episode as well presumably john watts is probably going to direct one since he's the executive producer of the series um but yeah you know this is it's it's very cool i'm I, the more i hear about skeleton crew uh, at least when it comes to who's working on it the more interested i'm getting do we know how many episodes skeleton crew is going to be i don't think so yeah they they usually don't announce that kind of thing yeah i imagine it'll probably be similar to to mandalorian and stuff probably like uh around eight episodes or so so say it's eight episodes. We have one directed by the Daniels. We have one directed by David Lowry. We probably have at least one directed by John Watts. Mm-hmm. If I was John Watts, I'd direct the pilot in the uh, in the the finale. Or yeah, the, yeah, the season finale. Uh, so that leaves us with four or five more people. Mm-hmm. Do you think? I know you said it's going to be. You think it's going to be people from Mandalorian, but do you think there's? another high hitter like these names that will come out of nowhere and surprise us. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's possible. I mean, it's, you know, if they've got these people so far, then like I, I can't ha- help but imagine that they've got, you know, some other talented people that they haven't, uh, you know, released yet. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if this, uh, do you think this is going to be some of the stuff that they were going to announce next week at star Wars celebration? Yeah, I mean, considering the next show on the lineup is Ahsoka and then Skeleton Crew after that, I feel like that's they're going to have to do something to like to tease Skeleton Crew because that's that's too close on the docket for them not to do something about it. Yeah, I think we've only seen an image that they showed us at D23 of Jude Law. And well, yeah, and then they show and then there was a piece of concept art, too, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm excited for this. Uh, I really don't know what this is going to be. Am, am I incorrect in saying that this has been kind of pitched as like a Stranger Things in the Star Wars universe? I think that's like that's the idea, at least, you know, because of the simple premise of it focusing on a group of kids. But, yeah, I think that that's what they're going for is giving us a Star Wars version of, of Stranger Things. Yeah. I mean, we really haven't seen like aside from like animation, like a, a movie following kids in the Star Wars universe. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Could be. Cool. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm excited. Uh, one other thing I think you would be excited about, I, I mean, we're both excited for, uh, were you a fan of the movie Scott Pilgrim, Brad? I I am a big fan of the movie Scott Pilgrim versus the world. 
It's called the leading question because uh, <laughs> I know the answer. Uh, so th- they're going to be making a Scott Pilgrim anime series, and it's going to bring back the, almost the entire cast of Edgar Wright's live-action movie, and it's uh, being produced by Ben David Krapinski and Brian Lee O'Malley, who created the the comic book series. And it's going to – I mean – I, I would list off the names, but it's it's literally the whole list of the people that you know were involved in in, in the live action film. Uh, what do you make of this, Brad? Is this something like I don't know? Scott Pilgrim is such a perfect movie, mm-hmm. um, but I do love the books, and I think the books are better than the movie. Uh, there's so much in there, and they, they could expand upon it. And uh, I'm I'm excited to see it in. Uh, expanded in into an anime, but like I don't know. It, at one on one side, I'm like I'm excited to see it expanded in anime. On the other side, I was like, you know, can it really be better than the movie? No, I don't think. It'll, I mean, it, there's a chance it could be better than the movie. I don't think it will be, just because for me personally, I'm not a huge anime fan. Uh, I know that the original comics themselves, uh, graphic novels, whatever you want to call them. Uh, definitely take inspiration from from anime in their uh, art, artistic style and presentation. And, uh, you know, Scott Scott Pilgrim vs. the World does a really good job of bringing that style into live action in a very cool way. And, and for whatever reason, I, even though I don't like the anime animation style, I like when they bring certain flourishes that are in anime into live action. Um, and so I, I think that Scott Pilgrim lends itself very well to anime and considering they have the entire voice cast back and Edgar Wright is very much involved. I think this is something that could be very cool and I will, I will definitely check it out to see, see how it turns out. For sure. Okay. Uh, th- the main thing I wanted to bring you onto the podcast, Brad, is to talk about your visit to Pixar animation studios last week. Uh, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. Brad, you got to visit, you got to go up to the Bay Area in mm-hmm. uh, San Francisco to visit Pixar Animation Studios. You've been there before, but I think it's the first time anybody's been there since the pandemic. Yeah, actually, funnily enough, the last time I was there was for Onward, which was the last movie Pixar uh, had released in theaters before the pandemic. So how, like, just in, in terms of the, the studios, does, does anything seem different? The only thing that seems different is there are some people that are wearing masks. Uh, otherwise, this was like felt like every other uh, press day that I've had at, at Pixar. There's just people, uh, you know, who are choosing to wear masks when they're in the more public spaces because uh, uh, where we spend most of our time is in like the main lobby of the Steve Jobs building on campus, and then in one of their their screening rooms. And I saw people like when they were coming to an area that was like the cafe area, basically where there's a lot of people there for lunch. That was when they were. Uh, wearing masks or if they were walking around the hallways yeah um and you were there for their new feature film elemental but we learned about a short that's going to play it before that which is a sequel to one of pixar's best movies yeah so the um in case you haven't heard there's a series of shorts on disney plus called doug days that focuses on doug uh the talking dog from from up um they're just they're just like little uh animated shorts that you can watch, watch there and after that, those uh, happened, um, Bob Peterson um, uh, and uh, Kim Collins, uh, who worked on Up Together uh, and Doug Days, they had an idea for another short. And this one kind of acts as uh, an epilogue 
to uh, up in a way because it brings Ed Asner back as Carl. It's one of his uh, final performances. It might actually end up being his final performance. I'm not sure how much more he had in the the works that was co- still had to come down the pipeline yet, but uh, they got him for a little bit and brought him back as Carl. And the, the premise of it is that uh, Charles Muntz's dogs have been adopted by a local senior center. And one of the, the women there uh, is uh, interested in Carl and wants to go out uh, on a date with uh, her dog, beta um and and carl and so the whole the short is basically uh carl trying to like psych himself up to go out on this date and doug trying to help him the best that he can (laughs) i'm not i'm not sure if i'm ready for carl to move on brad well i will tell you uh without obviously giving anything away that it there there is definitely uh an an emotional core to this one that will uh this one just might bring some some tears to your face um and it uh yeah it, it serves as a, a nice little a little cap on uh on up well that's good to good to know that they were actually able to do this before uh his passing yeah and this was it was something to that uh bob peterson he he was there and like he talked to us a little bit afterwards he said that it kind of came out of uh, watching his grandparents kind of have to deal with this after one of them had passed and then then having to like you know li- live on and still you know live your normal life afterwards i'm almost surprised that they did this as a short and not as a feature because if it feels like so many people love up that they could have expanded or you know not not that 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 story is like the whole that could have been a subplot in a in a feature yeah I mean, I'm I'm willing to bet that they probably didn't have like anything like a, a larger story to tell that they could, you know, fit that into. And plus, it probably is good that they didn't, because since we did end up losing at Asner, yeah. it, it probably wouldn't have worked out. OK, you were there to see some footage for their new film, Elemental. Um, this is the next film from Pete Sone, who has worked for Pixar for some time. He was... Uh, the credited director for the good dinosaur, but he kind of came on that project pretty late. Um, but yeah, I kind think of inherited is, after there were some creative differences. Yeah. So, uh, but this is his baby. Yes. Yeah. This is 100% fully uh, his movie. So tell us about Pixar's elemental. So Pixar's elemental uh, takes place in a world where its inhabitants are comprised um, of either water air earth or fire um and the story takes place in this place called element city which is like a an elemental version of new york city and the the main character um is is ember who is a uh, a woman who is made of fire uh and she she comes from uh, an immigrant family who came to element city uh to try and find uh to create a better life for themselves and so they they move into this um borough and they kind of build up this this little area after uh moving into uh an abandoned like uh brownstone essentially and what sprouts up around them is this like little community of other fire people uh in a place called firetown and uh ember and her family her her father and mother run this little convenience store called the fireplace uh, where they sell a whole bunch of stuff and uh it's on the outskirts of the bustling metropolis that that is element city and the story um, basically is uh, it's, it's Pixar going into pretty much full fledged uh, romantic comedy territory and it finds uh, Ember meeting Wade, who is a, a guy made of water 
and uh, he accidentally ends up in uh, her her convenience store um, after a little mishap with her anger results in uh, a, a burst pipe that floods the basement with water, and Wade somehow gets like like rushed in there, uh, and then he realizes that there's a bunch of code violations uh that that need to be taken and he, he's not he's not like happy about it like he's actually really distressed and crying about it because he doesn't want to ruin her life or their family everything and so basically ember's trying to like stop this from happening but ember and wade despite being uh elementally literally opposed to each other and <laughs> diametrically opposed uh have this like nice little meat cute and they uh it seems like that they're maybe striking up a, a little bit of, of a romance. And that could be trouble for Ember because uh, one of Ember's grandmother's uh, dying wishes was that she should marry somebody who uh, is part of uh, the fire people. Well, you can see some allegories here, some metaphors, obviously. Um, how much of the, how much footage did you end up seeing? In total, we saw roughly a half an hour. They showed us like the opening of the movie, and then they showed us uh, about three other scene, three or four other scenes from the rest of the movie. And you mentioned that this is kind of like a romantic comedy. Has Pixar ever done a romantic comedy before? I don't. The closest think... they they came would have been Up, or sorry, not well, the beginning of Up, well... but then, but then, uh, <laughs> Wally is the one that is Wally, a yeah. yeah. That that's that's. There's definitely a romantic comedy there, but they never really got to do any of like the 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 full romantic comedy tropes because it's Wally and Eve, and they don't talk. You know, they only say Wally and Eve. <laughs> yeah, and then the only other thing I can think of is like that short blue umbrella. Was that the name of it? It was like the blue umbrella. I think that was Pixar, right? I don't remember that one. But but again, it was just an umbrella, so it's like a blue umbrella. I'm looking this up. Uh, Pixar. Yes, it was. The Blue Umbrella is 2013, and it was um, – uh... <laughs> Man, I'm yeah, thinking on that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. No, it was about um, two umbrellas that kind of fall in love. It, it, I mean, again, it, it's like in, in, inanimate objects. It's, uh, it's not really uh, – people i mean not that uh elemental is people but the it, it's people with words and uh more range yeah so i don't know i don't know what to make of this to be honest with you brad it, like it looks cool but like i also don't understand how there can be a happy ending here because one character is fire and one character is water and it feels like um there's no possible way scientifically that they can get together I mean, that's kind of the, the idea, really. And that, that was something that really, like, drove Pete Zone's, um kind of, like, story was that, you know, can can fire and water ever truly connect? And so, that like, that's the whole, you know, driving force. And so, like, adding the, the thematic layers that obviously deal with, you know, uh, race and, and these kinds of things really, really fits into that. And I think my my favorite part of it is, is that approach because um, – one of the cool things that they're doing with Elemental is that uh, even though there are clearly, you know, there's clearly a metaphor and thematic elements involving the idea of race and like, uh, you know, people from different backgrounds connecting, whether they actually can and having this, you know, uh, generational pressure and, and whatnot. Um, there's, they haven't made it so that the elements are like directly tied to like a particular uh, race or ethnic background. So even though Pete Stone is Korean and his, his family were Korean immigrants and everything, 
the the fire people aren't necessarily intended to be Korean. In fact, what they did is they've actually utilized a bunch of different traits from a variety of cultures to to like define the uh, various elements and things like that. So like they have a fire language. Uh, that was created by Doug Peterson, who created languages for Game of Thrones, and it sounds a little bit Slavic. Uh, but then there are other elements that, like you can see, clearly come from like Polish and, and Jewish and Middle Eastern influences. Um, there's like one, uh, there's a shirt that they sell in the store that says "Kiss me, I'm fireish." Uh, so obviously <laughs> that, that comes from you know from from uh, Irish people. So there's there's a lot of cool stuff like that that they've done to like really meld a, a variety of different cultures, and they they tried to build the culture around the, the elements themselves, you know? So like the fire people uh, like spicy food and uh, they, they eat uh, their snacks or like a lot of them are made up of wood and things like that. Um, and so the, then they do the same thing, you know, for the water people and the, the air people and, and earth people and whatnot. And so it's, it's really cool to see how, how they did that. And if there's one thing, like it, it initially, it seems like, the water people could be representative of like white people since they're the majority. Like, uh, but that's because uh, water was the first element to like evolve into like life. And then after that came earth and, and air and fire was the, the last one. And so that's why element city is kind of catered to uh, water people. But I think that the way they get around that too, is like um, uh, Mumadu uh, Achi is the guy who voices Wade. Uh, and he's he's a black actor, so you know that's obviously goes against the idea of like water strictly representing, uh, you know, white people in in elemental. So, okay, so uh, you not only saw footage, but I'm assuming you you got uh, you went through like the labyrinth of like workshops around Pixar, showing you different elements of get it elements uh, uh, of the production process. Yeah. Uh, anything cool that you learned in, in that whole? Yeah, the the technical stuff behind this movie was was really fascinating and impressive because it seems like this might be one of their uh, most technically challenging movies because of the mere fact that their main characters are made of fire and water. Uh, and that posed a lot of challenges because normally stuff like fire and water is stuff that is reserved for the, the effects department. And this meant that they kind of had to change their workflow a little bit because the effects department had to be involved with the character design process and they constantly had to be working going back and forth and you know fixing things and and you know repurposing them uh because the one of the like driving um forces behind the character design was that ember isn't somebody who is on fire she is made of fire and wade isn't you know covered in water he is water so that changes like the the character rigs and how they move so like if you pay attention to, to Ember when she's moving in certain times, like if she moves quickly, parts of her body like uh, blow away in the wind essentially. And like her flame gets more intense, you know, or, or uh, less intense as she gets angry or gets, gets sad. Uh, And similarly Wade, you know, because his body is made of liquid, sometimes the way he moves, like uh, there are cool little like um, physical comedic elements they were able to add of like how his face moves on his head. And like uh, there's one one shot they pointed out to us where Ember kind of like is is mad and like makes like a lunge at him and like he moves quickly to get out of the way. And like his for a split second, his head detaches from his body as he moves (laughs) out of the way. Um, And then like with 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 Wade, too, initially they anticipated that Ember was going to be the more difficult character because she's made of fire. Uh, but water is still very difficult to, to animate, even with the advanced technology we have today. And they found Wade to be supremely more difficult to animate because one of the things that they had to consider was the the mix of 
making it look realistically like water, but stylizing it so that it didn't look like actual water. Because if they made it look like actual water, Wade would be clear. And when they tried that, he looked like glass. He didn't look like water. So they had to add, you know, a blue tint to it. But then water is also transparent. But Wade has a face that has eyes and teeth. So if they made him fully, you know, transparent the normal way, then it would be really creepy because you would see his entire eyeballs and his entire mouth. And like, if you would see him from the back, you would see the back of his eyes and the back of his teeth and everything. So they had to figure out a way to make him look transparent, but so that the things like that that are inside of his face weren't visible when, when they were animating him. Uh, So there was a lot of cool stuff like that. And there's little, little touches to that. Like you probably won't even notice until, you know, uh, a second viewing, if you're really paying attention, like uh, Ember's eyes, they her pupils um because she's made of fire they are not always stable they're kind of like waving a little bit as if they are also made of fire so there's um they did a lot of uh really impressive things with figuring out the character designs and whatnot and uh they have they now have the most computers that they have ever used uh on a pixar movie before it's over 150,000 computers that they have uh, working in, in their facility now to, to render all the stuff for Elemental. And that is exponentially more uh, than the most that they had have had to use previously, which was for uh, Finding Nemo, I think. Wow. Um, and that's all in the facility there? In, in yeah, uh, they, yeah, they yeah. have their own, like, basically, like, like, server room. Yeah, the render farm. Yeah. Uh, I was just wondering if, like, the, nowadays, like, you can outsource that overseas somehow. Like, well, I guess it would be too hard to, like, send all that data. The data, <laughs> to send the data would probably cost a lot of money. Um, to, uh, never mind to render it. So, yeah. Uh, anything else? Or actually, let's bottom line it here. Because uh, what, what, what did you make out of it? Like, what were your expectations going in? And, like, uh, did it surpass your expectations? Like, what, what are your thoughts on what you saw? So for me, this was a movie that I was not necessarily super excited about. Um, I, I wasn't down on it or, or anything like that, um, but it felt kind of like a, a fairly basic premise, and mostly because uh, it feels like a simple idea. You know, it, you're 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 doing kind of like a West Side Story uh, kind of romance. You know, where two people who really probably uh, can't and maybe shouldn't be together. Uh, seem to be sparking up a a relationship and you have you know the the racial dynamics and it's in a city and it's a story that you've seen countless times before from as far back as you know Romeo and Juliet to you know almost every single you know romantic comedy out there but for me I was keenly uh, interested in the world that they built after seeing so much more of it this this is like uh, classic Pixar uh, world building kind of movie magic. The 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 ingenuity and the creativity that has gone into creating Element City and designing the characters and just the way that they all the elements kind of like interact and like live in this world. Uh, to me, that's that's made this you know uh, feel like it's still fresh, even though it's a very familiar story. So I, I think that I'm actually more uh, interested in seeing how how it turns out. Uh, because I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how they're going to get to that point where like, how, how can Wade and, and Ember be together when, when they are fire and water? I think that's a very intriguing thing. Um, and you know, and the, I, I like the, the immigrant tale approach to it too. You know, it's something that's very personal for, uh, Pete Stone as a, as a filmmaker. And there's a lot of people at Pixar who are in his same position, whose parents, you know, came to the United States looking for a better life. And so, uh, there's a real personal element here as well the uh, pete, pete sony even said that actually his uh his grandmother 
one of the things that she said on her deathbed was that he she wanted him to marry a korean person and so like that is in elemental and is very much directly inspired by uh his own life and pete Sohn did not marry a korean woman so there's um th- there's a lot of personal stakes in this for him and you can you can really just there's there's passion you know and there's uh there's a genuine love for like how these characters were created and the story that's that's being told and so i'm 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 very interested to see how uh, how it turns out I'm I'm pulling for this because I know Pixar has kind of uh, been dealt some losses, especially in the streaming era of being direct to Disney Plus, and uh, obviously, you know, their first one that was theatrical was Lightyear, and that didn't do that well. And this one, I feel like a lot of people are writing it off. Like you said, it does look like this a story we've seen many times before. Some people, you know, I, I was talking to some people in the uh, theme park the other day, and they're like, "Oh, it's like Zootopia with a." Uh, elements i'm like how is that i I guess because it's like elemental city and yeah there is there is definitely a a little bit of a feel like that but the the it's the story that makes makes it makes it different yeah i'm I'm just wondering if they're going to be able to market that and if that's going to be able to come out because i i I, if they're going to be able to convince people to come out to the theaters to see it uh because i i really love pixar's originals and it feels like if if this is this doesn't do well i feel like we're going to get a lot more sequels from pixar i mean we already have sequels announced more toy stories and and stuff so i don't know i I, i'm I'm pulling for this is what i'm saying yeah yeah same here if you want to read uh, Brad's coverage of this on the site, I'll link it in the show notes. If you yeah. want to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please send us your feedback, questions, comments, concerns, just at Peter And please rate and read this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word. We'll see you tomorrow. Or actually, today's Friday, so we'll see you on Monday. <laughs>